watching Inside Automotive with Jim Fitzpatrick. Hi everyone, Jim Fitzpatrick on location here at the Auto Nation headquarters of beautiful Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I am joined by Mr. Mike Manley, the new CEO of Auto Nation. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. My pleasure, it's great to see you. Sure, and I'm just gonna read some stats here that your team provided me with because they are astounding. Seventh consecutive all-time record earnings per share of $5.87, an increase of 239% compared to fourth quarter 2020. Revenue of $6.6 billion, an increase of 14% compared to fourth quarter 2020. You're, not, you're still smiling, which is great. Uh, AutoNation continues to outperform the industry in the used car sector. Nearly 90% of all pre-owned vehicles and dealers listen to this that were retailed here in the third quarter were self-sourced, which I think is a very impressive job. Operating income increased 72% compared with fourth quarter 2020. Uh, All-time record earnings per share of $18.31, an increase of 326% compared to full year 2020. Revenues of $25 billion, an increase of 27%. It was a great time to take over AutoNation, was it not? <laughs> it absolutely was. Sure. And, and you know, that is an absolute testament to the, the team that's here. Sure. Um, when, you, when you come into an organization such as AutoNation, and I knew them before, as you know, I came from, sure. I came from yep. uh, Fiat Yeah, That's right, Pfizer. we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Yeah. So um, when you came from here, one, I think for me, one of the things that I was incredibly pleased to see was the team. And yeah. as I, I'm, I've been here for three months, so sure. as much as I'd love to take the credit <laughs> for that, it's everybody that works sure, here. Sure, sure. Well, it's better that you know, it, it wasn't under the, the, the percentages uh, you know, forecasted, right? Talk to us a little bit about that coming you know, from FCA heading up an incredible organization. Your career there was just stellar. So many people within the industry felt you did an awesome job there. And uh, uh, so now you make the transition back into retail because early on in your career, you were actually on the retail side, right? Yeah. Now you're back into retail. What's that like? Well, uh, I'll start at the beginning because I started selling cars in London. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a kid selling Fords actually, and I didn't even know how to sell. So it took me three <laughs> months to actually get my first deal. Sure. But, there's an old saying that it gets into your blood. Yeah, you know, it, it gets into your blood, gets under your skin, and sure. I absolutely loved all of the things that I have done. Mm -hmm. I loved, I loved um, the time when I was in retail. Really enjoyed my time on the uh, on the OEM on the OEM side. We mm -hmm. put together what I thought was a great deal, and then you say to yourself, "What do you want to do?" Right. And it just was natural when I started talking to Ordination. This opportunity came up, sure. and. I came back and I have to tell you that same old feeling that I used to get. <laughs> I get it every single day when I Do come you? into the company, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great to be back. I love, sure. love, love selling cars. Yeah. Um, who doesn't? Right. And frankly, the other thing that we do is, is help solve customers' problems. So sure. not everything goes well every single day. Some days I have a bad day, but sure. I'm glad to be back. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, uh, you know, you were running FCA, as, as we mentioned, did a phenomenal job there. Mike Jackson, who was sitting in that chair before you, uh, was running an OEM with Mercedes-Benz USA. Uh, is that is that kind of the perfect fit for somebody to run AutoNation, somebody that's been on the OEM side and now over 300 plus dealerships? Is that kind of a natural evolution? <laughs> you know, I think so for a, for a number of reasons, really, because AutoNation have been known through their entire history of being innovators. Mm -hmm. And they have, they have been able, I think, to not just think about what we need to do today, but how things are going to evolve in the coming years. Mm -hmm. So being able to come here 
And as you know, when you're on the OEM side and you get to the positions that I've been into, you really live four, five, seven years out. Sure. So that you come to an organization that is really right. interested in four, five, seven years out. Right. And you can bring those kind of skills together. And I think what it works with, great team that is superb in operations. We can think about the future, particularly as the transition we're going to go through, That's right. full electrification. That's right. And it's a nice fit. That's I right. also think moving the other way. When I was mm -hmm. a retailer and went into the OEM was helpful on the other side as well because sure. you can bring the perspective of things are not always as you think they are when you have to sell, service, and look after customers. Yeah, boy, that's that's for sure. Talk to us a little bit about, do you have concerns about some of the economic uh, factors that are out there that may threaten you know, another great quarter or another great year, such as gas prices and, and certainly the chip shortage that stays with us here. We don't, we, people say it's going to be well into 2023 still. Um, interest rate hikes, things like that. Is that a concern of yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think you, I think when you get a lot of changes in the marketplace, as we are seeing at this moment in time, you should be very aware of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you use the term concerned or aware of them, I think ultimately it, 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 it means the same thing in the yeah. context of running a business, sure. right? So, as you know, basically every vehicle in one form or another is, is bought on a monthly payment. Right. Interest rate hikes hit those monthly payments immediately. That's right. So we need to be thinking about that from an inventory perspective, a profile of used vehicles perspective, but also what can we do in terms of taking out some of that cost to keep these vehicles um, affordable for our customers. So I would say absolutely cautious. Uh, we know we're going to get significantly more than one rate rise. So. Um, we need to be very cognizant of that and try and understand what it means for inventory and customer care. Sure. Speaking of inventory, uh, many dealerships, most all dealerships, have had a great year along with AutoNation in, in terms of profitability, and they'll point to the fact that there's a supply shortage. You know, when yeah. people are willing to come in and pay sticker price for a car, and they seem to be okay with that. In some instances, not AutoNation, but they'll pay over sticker price. That's a whole other show, I guess. Um, do you think that OEMs, and I think you are uniquely qualified to answer this question, have taken notice to say, hey, maybe these dealers don't need three, four, five month supply of vehicles sitting on their lots. Maybe, maybe there's a, a, a fair medium of like, let's say 30 to 40 day supply and we keep prices where they should be, closer to sticker price and, and customers are okay with that, it seems. What, what's your take on that? So I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you my take on this because it's fascinating. Ignore the argument about a small number, whatever it is being sold over MSRP. Let's just stick with the concept. Sure. Imagine a concept where you sell at MSRP. Right. I mean, imagine that. Imagine that. I mean, <laughs> could you? Is imagine? that what you're supposed to do? When I was, <laughs> well, I always when I was so. growing up and I did right. my economics, that's what you're supposed to do. But as you know, with the OEMs making these supplies and putting these incentives on, they almost force the dealer in so many cases, Absolutely. especially stair step, to say, no, just sell it at whatever number. Absolutely. Right. So, as bad as the pandemic has been, it sure. did one thing: it pressed the reset button. Yeah. It was able to press the reset button and get inventories really low right. without destroying dealers and without destroying OEMs. Right? That's right. That's right. That has never happened before, would right. never have happened. So the button's been pressed. Let's learn mm -hmm. from what we now see. Right. And I've got to tell you, the people that run OEMs, right. these are smart people. Right. They recognize it, right? <laughs> sure, sure. They run big businesses, smart people. Right. Let's learn from that button being pressed. There's not overstock dealers. There's not overstock the channel. Sure. And I think we can move forward more profitably. And by the way, it helps customers. You know, massively discounted vehicles, bad residuals, That's right. the customer's paying for it. That's right. 
So they will get yep. the benefits of a car That's right. sold at an MSRP price. Sure. Most consumers will tell you the only reason I negotiate is because I don't want to be the guy that paid this number when in reality somebody comes in and pays this number. Exactly. So as long as everybody's paying the same number, and I think CarMax has shown us that over the last 25 years, but guess what? As long as you're not negotiating, people are okay buying cars at the yeah. price, right? Price transparency. That's customers right. love it. That's yeah. right. Having said that, we, we also are seeing that customers are okay coming in and ordering vehicles. This is something that, you know, for the two, two years ago, prior to COVID hitting, we said, no, 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 we don't order cars. We spot deliver everything. Yeah, yeah. we got to get it yeah. in and get it out. But people are okay ordering cars. Yeah. Is that also a major change we'll see? I think it's fundamental change. Yeah. You know, that's the model in other in, in other regions, right? That's that's how they do it in Europe. So oh, okay. it's not impossible for customers to work okay. out they've got to order a car. I think what's got to happen though is that timeline, which today is really hampered by chip shortages. Yeah, sure. But that timeline between I've ordered it and you know it's right out here. Right. I think if we're going to build on this, which is really good for the customer mm -hmm. and good for dealers, I think what we now got to do is work with the OEMs to make sure that timeline comes in so it's acceptable. Right. Right. And I know today right. chips can't do it. Sure. Sure. But let's not lose what I think is a good development <laughs> in the industry and work on yep. what will make that even better experience. That's right, that's right. So um, you mentioned earlier affordability. We just surpassed $47,000 and nobody seemed to blink. I mean, it's still a question of, yeah, oh, don't worry, people are coming in, they're buying cars, maybe we'll extend the financing to 84 months or, or do whatever. Obviously savings are at an all time high and they're using that as down payment. Their trade-ins are worth more. But is that an issue? Is that something that, you know, in the industry, dealers and OEMs alike should say, this might not last forever. $47,000 for the average price of a car. Where is this ended? ending? Yeah, well, the reality is there's some people that are not in the marketplace and that's at the lower price band. So mm -hmm. what we're seeing is even though we are seeing good levels of profitability, the whole market is not being, not being fully served today, in my opinion, right. because we need to make sure that we have viable, good quality offerings at lower prices, yeah. which by just pure averaging is going to bring that number down. So. Sure. That number represents kind of shift in the in the core mm -hmm. of the buyers today. So we really do need to work with that as we move forward. Sure. So the follow-up question to that, and, and and the next issue that affects affordability is electrification. Mm -hmm. It looks as though the industry will be selling EVs, whether you like it or not. I've spoken to dealers that say consumers don't want it. Don't send me EVs. But they're going to be sent EVs. I mean, sure. if, you, if you're going to stay in this industry, we're going to be selling our consumers EVs, right? A, what's your take on that from your perspective? And as I said earlier, you're uniquely qualified to answer this because of your background in, on the OEM side. Are consumers wanting EVs? Is it too soon? What has to happen in order for dealers to succeed in this area? Is the infrastructure there? I know I threw a lot at you. Sure. But what's your take on it? Well, firstly, we have seen an uptick in terms of the take rates of EVs, but to your point, it's really these early adopters at very high, high, I would say upper, medium, high price points. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's not going to create the transition that needs to happen if all the OEMs are going to meet their emission regulations. So okay. there are lots of things that need to happen so that we can really address that core part of the market. And I think, I think the issues are well known. Firstly, price to your point. Mm -hmm. So price does have to come down. Now, whether that's through government subsidies or something else in mm -hmm. the short term, but ultimately that only works if we can bring down, the OEMs can bring down the cost of batteries, right. they can bring down the cost of the vehicles. The second thing that people are still worried about is what does it mean in terms of range and charging? So with next generation vehicles, which are just around the corner, that's hopefully going to be addressed. Sure. But I, I think what you'll see is you will see an acceleration of adoption. Mm -hmm. That will be still at the medium high end as we begin to breach some of those issues mm -hmm. that will then start getting into the mainstream. 
but full adoption is still a long way away. But you need to be ready for it if you're a sure. dealer. You sure. have to be ready for it. Right, right. Um, when I asked Mike Jackson that question uh, just maybe four or five months ago, he said, keep in mind, you know, there's still 300 million combustion engines on the road sure. today. So there's a lot of runway there left for dealers that are concerned about their fixed ops profits and things of that nature, and also consumers' choices. They'll still have that choice. Is sure. that, you know, do you think consumers uh, will want to hold on to that? Uh, some consumers will want to hold on to that <laughs> gas engine? And Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of consumers that right. want to hold on to that gas engine, right. which is going to drive a very healthy used car market. Mm -hmm. It's going to drive, to your point, opportunity for dealers to repenetrate maybe some of the after-sales market, service maintenance market, sure. that was, for some reason, lost to non-franchise businesses. So I'm, I'm with Mike. I don't think that situation's changed. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity. What is AutoNation doing today to ensure a successful transition? to the EV with uh, uh, revolution in their, in their stores. Is well, there any initiatives or anything that you Well, firstly, 75% of our stores are already on programs to become uh, electric charging stations. Oh, great. That's important. Okay, yeah. And the other 25, it's really because we're working through manufacturers. What do you want, you know, what yeah. do you need in sure. there? So that for me is a program. That's gonna take 18 months, 12 to 18 months really to roll it out because sure. availability of these things is caught up as well in the yeah, supply chain. I can imagine, sure. And now we're beginning to really think through how do we address the extra time that's required for a sales executive, what's the knowledge a sales executive mm -hmm. needs to talk to a customer. Because sure. you know, when you come in, when you and I go into a dealership, we know what a gas engine is. Right. We know, we may not be able to fix a gas engine, but we know what it is. Right. So when I come into a dealership, you don't know what electric powertrain is. What that's does right. it mean? That's right. And so you need to be able to spend more time with customers. That's training, that's and right. it also means resource. So we have to be careful with that too. That's right, that's right. What you just touched on uh, is exactly what Elon Musk felt you know, could only be done by maybe a, a company-owned trained person and not a, fran a salesperson that works at a franchise. Mm -hmm. um, it looks as though these companies that are coming in, uh, these, these EV companies such as Lucid and Rivian and of course Tesla and some others said, no, we're going to do business directly with consumers. That's the way we're going to sell our cars. And they've been successful in many states to be able to win them over and bypass the franchise, law, franchise laws that protects dealers. What is your take on that? What, is that? Is that something that you think threatens franchise dealers today? Or? So, you know, I kind of flip this question. What they're addressing is they're addressing a different buying approach from the consumer. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple ways that buying approach can be addressed. Okay. Right? What, they, what they're saying is that these are very early adopters of electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. What they want is convenience, they want speed, they want transparency, mm -hmm. they want all of those things in a package. So it doesn't necessarily have to be delivered by one concept of how we're going to do that. Okay. Dealers and OEMs have worked together very successfully in the past at adjusting and pivoting to different ways customer wants to buy cars. Right. So if it's about what the customer wants, let's detail that between us and the OEMs and say okay. we can seamlessly deliver this. Right. But we'll also have the benefit of being able to look after all of the other customers in our brands that sure. we've got out there. We'll be able to help customers with that transition and we'll provide that seamless experience. So, you know, when I hear oh, this can only be provided by this business model, frankly, I think it's tosh yeah. to use one of my favorite words. <laughs> you know, I think we can get sure. there. Sure. I just think we need to make sure we're working in conjunction. Right, right. And you think they're open-minded enough to say that, right? And, and to think sure. that way. Yeah. Because you've got some companies, Ford and some others, that said, well, you can go online and order a car, we'll drop ship it to the dealer that's nearest you. And the dealer's, oh, wait a minute, you know, what comes next after that? You're going to allow us a certain amount of profit 
send us a check for for the delivery of the car, so to speak. And I've spoken to some dealers that are that are a little nervous about that in the future. I don't blame them for being nervous about it. You know, I think the you know the reality is it's unknown. People are nervous about the unknown. Yeah. From my point of view, I, I tend to take the I tend to take the view that what we're trying to address is the way the customer wants to buy a car. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a phenomenal infrastructure. Just think of the strength that Ford have yeah. with their dealer network. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. A and yeah. and by the way, every yeah. F one fifty sold one at a time, right? Right. That's right. So, That's right. You know, just think of that strength. Now, it doesn't mean to say there shouldn't be caution in there. Yeah. It doesn't mean to say that they, that people shouldn't be worried. It means to say that people should get engaged, mm -hmm. so that. Mm -hmm. It ends up a way that there is win-win for both parties. Sure, sure. Do you think dealers, or is, is AutoNation more specifically, um, worried about the possible loss of fixed ops profits when we are in a full EV environment? Well, there's no doubt that the amount of, uh, let me say, labor hours mm -hmm. on an EV vehicle over a particular life cycle is mm -hmm. going to be less. Okay. But to uh, Mike's point, there's 300 million vehicles you know, out, right. out on the road. Right. They're also, and many, many dealerships that I go into have got like seven, ten day lead times. Mm -hmm. Many of them are struggling to get their used car refurbishments done on time and everything else. Right. I think there is plenty of work for us yeah. to be really worried about that yeah. problem yeah. for my great grandkids. I was just going to say, maybe not in our lifetime will we see a real concern there, yeah. right? I'll um, be on a beach in the bar when that's a big problem. <laughs> that's right. So you mentioned used cars, and uh, that's, that's a big, big factor at AutoNation with when you guys relaunched AutoNation USA. Uh, 130 stores by 2026. Is that still the plan in light of everything that's going on with the shortage of used cars that are out there? Sure. It yeah. is. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the team spent a lot of time proving out the model. We are up to 10 now. All mm -hmm. of those 10 are profitable ahead of what our initial projections were. Mm -hmm. Solid plans to add another 12 mm -hmm. this year. If we're successful this year in the same way as we were last year, mm -hmm. that means we're on track for that number. Mm -hmm. I think any business needs to have those points though where you check, is it delivering what we need? Are we moving in the right direction? Right. So so far we are, so no change to plans. Okay. Uh, digital and, and modern, what we call modern retailing now in, in, in some circles. Um, consumers during uh, the, when the COVID you know, crisis first hit, they were going online and they're buying cars and not all of them, you know, but, but maybe a, you know, 10 to 15 to 20% depending on the dealer that I would speak to. Um, is that the future of the industry from your perspective? Do you see that as, as more, playing more and more of a role? Should dealers and AutoNation included be retrofitting uh, you know, their companies to say, let's, let's have an all online experience for customers that want to you know, do? I think what you would do is provide, you've got to provide a range of different portals, mm -hmm. a range of different entry points okay. for customers to be able to interface and get their uh, new vehicle, their used vehicle included, mm -hmm. their servicing work or their parts work. Okay. And I think if you don't do that, then you're going to limit how broad you can approach customers. Mm -hmm. One part of that is digital. Another very important part is that is, is physical. Right. And another part of that, which many OEMs are doing as well, is also home delivery, home service and everything else. So right. a range of portals makes it easier for different customers sure. who like different things. Because if you're not going to do that, then you will miss some business. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, talk to me about um, uh, future acquisitions. You guys were on a little shopping spree here last, uh, the last year uh, for dealerships, and you're wanting to increase that footprint. Lithia has made it clear that they want to be the number one retailer out there. They're kind of budding right on you know, your sure. numbers there. I don't know that it's a competition or even that it phases anybody at AutoNation. But are you looking to grow the foot footprint of new car franchise dealers? Absolutely, with the yeah. right opportunity, no doubt. As you know, right. 
Historically, AutoNation's footprint has been concentrated really down in, in, in the south of the yeah, country. So there's right. plenty of opportunity for us, I think, to take an approach that says there's ge geography that we need mm -hmm. to expand to. Mm -hmm. I love our portfolio, but I also think there's opportunities to add to the portfolio. So sure. as always, for the right for the right acquisition, very interested. Sure, sure. And when you say for the right acquisition, would it be geographical? Would it be by brand? Both? Both. All included? Both. Okay. So you're not really... No, to be totally okay. clear, both. Okay, okay. The right brand in, a, in an area where I'm strong is available for us and we think is the right fit, mm -hmm. and the seller thinks it's the right fit, yeah. we're very, very much interested. So right now you're talking to a bunch of dealers that uh, are listen, listening to us have, while they have breakfast or whatever, have lunch. Uh, if they're interested in selling their dealerships, should they give, give us a call? Give you a call and yeah, say, "Hey, sure. take a look at my operation." Absolutely, okay. absolutely, <laughs> fantastic. So, uh, uh, talk to me about the the Drive Pink campaign. This is something that has been such a big part of the very culture and fabric of AutoNation over yeah. the last, I guess, ten or fifteen years. Uh, it has been such an incredibly successful campaign and has done so much great work uh, to help cure cancer. What's your vision for that moving forward? You know something, I was aware of the campaign before coming into the organization. Mm. And I was blown away mm -hmm. by, let me say, the engagement and the involvement of all of the team here, whether, whether it's associates that work in our mm -hmm. dealerships, whether it's our corporate office here. And you know, these people are largely doing this in their own time. Yeah. Incredibly passionate yeah. about it. Amazing. Incredibly passionate about yeah. their community. $30 million. So wow. for me, it was a re revelation. Yeah. So pleased to see it. I'm fully behind it. Uh, getting involved myself, making sure that I can, I can actually add as much value as the, as the guys and girls doing it today. Because sure. you know, I think it's just so important, not, not just because of the work that it does, but also because it's a great reason why people come and stay with AutoNation because yeah. they feel they can contribute beyond their, beyond their job. So right. yeah. very supportive. Yeah, your turnover rate is among the lowest in the industry. The culture that has been built here has been incredible. You, you make us look good in the industry because as you know, it suffers from such a high turnover rate sure. on the retail side, maybe not on the OEM side, but certainly on the retail side. Um, so talk to us about uh, uh, Mike Jackson. Uh, share with us maybe one or two of the things that he suggested, bits of advice, you know, he's been in that position for 22 years, turns it over to you and says what? Well, I have to, uh, you know, Mike and I have known each other for, for, for a, a number of years. And, sure. You know, I've been an admirer of the things that he's been doing and he is, he is an absolute innovator in our industry. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to take over from two icons now. Yeah. You know, I took over sure. from Sergio Marchioni, who was an, an incredible icon. I take over from Mike Jackson, Who's an incredible, who's an incredible icon as well, and and it's an interesting, it's very interesting to have to step in the shoes of someone who's made such a big mark sure. in the organisation. And you know, when I was talking to Mike, because he's um, because he's so well loved, and because he is, um, I think, an incredibly strong leader and a driver. And we were talking about, you know, how do you want to do the handover? I said, Mike, if you're still in the building when I get here, no one's going to listen to me. <laughs> that's right. So now, go find a beach. <laughs> go find a beach, that's right. Take a cruise. But what a legacy, right? Yeah, what a legacy. yeah, no question about it. No question about it. So um, what, what final thoughts do you have? You're talking to a lot of people in the industry right now here at CBT News. And uh, what, what, what do you say to them about the year ahead and about the industry that we're in? You know, I do think the year ahead is going to be a bumpy year for a number of reasons. Mm. I think for sure, and everybody's right, we're not at the end of these supply chain issues, these chip issues, and 
I think production availability is going to still is going to still fluctuate um, very much. And but I, I I really now get the sense that this pandemic, uh, and I'm not I, I don't want to um, get too ahead of my headlights here, but I, I get a sense that we are now going to see that see see the other side of this. Mm -hmm. What I would say to everybody, and it's, it's, it's something that we're trying to do here as well, and I'm sure everybody is on this, is imagine your business post-pandemic and make sure you've used all of the time you possibly can to get it ready for that. Yeah. Because what we don't want to, we don't as a group, as an industry, uh, want to emerge from this pandemic and say, you know what, this was left on the table, I should have, yeah. I should have done that. Yeah. So um, just keep pushing, I think, um, the future, I understand the nervousness about the future. To a large extent, it's in our own hands. Mm -hmm. And um, I know so many dealers are involved, not just in our industry, but in their community in the same way as Drive Pink. Never forget how much value you add in the markets that you're in. That's right, that's right. Mr. Mike Manley, thank you so much for joining yeah, us on CBT you. News. It's quite a pleasure. Thank and you. And good luck to you in the future to come. Thank you. Yep. Great. Thanks for watching Inside Automotive with Jim Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, Pash, Kane, Lewis, Greenfield, Reed, Dawson, Lopes, Rice. The best lineup in retail automotive. CBTnews.com. Subscribe today.